0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice and we're here for something that is long overdue. We are going to preview a playoff series. This, in my mind, the first time the Blue Jays have been to the playoffs since 2016. Call me crazy, call me a pig if you want, mind the asshole, 2020 doesn't count. 2022 counts. Toronto Blue Jays are in, they're hosting, best of three, wild card round, and there's no better person better to break it all down, to preview the series, to look ahead to what's coming up when the Blue Jays take on the Seattle Mariners, their expansion cousins, and former Blue Jays All Star, Ricky Romero. He joins us from beautiful downtown The Beach, California. Ricky, how are
1: you? I'm doing good, man. I'm ready.
0: You're excited that the, the, the slots are, uh, are workable, you know, for the, you on the West Coast? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. My right. kids are in school. Kids are in school. You can golf in the morning and be, be, back, be home in time for the first pitch. It's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting ideas
1: in your head. <laughs> you are, you are, yeah. No, but it, it's definitely exciting, man. I'm pumped. I'm like, I feel like I'm playing just thinking of the city the electricity of the city, the buzz of the city, and just thinking about everything that that team's been through. You you mentioned 2020 and them obviously being in Buffalo. It kind of felt weird. It, it felt like the fans were obviously out of it. Like they really couldn't cheer for their team. And then you think about last year and what they had to go through. And I, I'll keep going back to it. I mean, a team that started in Dunedin out of all places, they were playing their damn home games at spring training facility and then they go to a triple a stadium they have to turn that into a big league stadium they missed the playoffs by one game the heartbreak of that so i feel like these fans have just been they've been waiting for this moment and obviously the drought hasn't been that long obviously not long ago it was bautista hitting a big home run it was edwin hitting a big home run but now we have a core of young kids that are ready to make a name for themselves and this is this is it man this is this is this is why you play the game this is these are the moments that you know we can be talking about a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run, or a Bo Bichette home run, or a Teoscar Hernandez home run. Like these are these this this is it. This is where you you can make yourself into a legend, cement yourself in that in that Blue Jay history, and and forever be enshrined, ha- having one of the coolest moments in, in Blue Jays history. And I feel like the fans have been waiting for this, and it, I'm excited just thinking about how electric that stadium is going to be.
0: It's exactly that. I mean, we saw the what it meant when the team came home at the end of 2021 and finally got to play, you know, those six weeks of home games here in Toronto. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I shouldn't take anything away from what happened in 2020. But, you know, playing, you, you, you've heard Bo Bichette made quotes, you know, talked about how there was no atmosphere and it just didn't feel real. This is going to feel real. It's going to feel as real as it gets when that team takes the field. When the Blue Jays, who are only playing in the postseason for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth, or ninth time in franchise history, this is a big deal. And they're hosting, playing against Seattle, of course, who hasn't played, been in the postseason since two thousand and one. Staring down the prospect of getting all the way to the postseason and not even getting to play a home game—that would really suck. But the Blue Jays don't have to worry about that. In addition to the journey, as you mentioned, you know, going through all of what happened in twenty twenty, all of what happened in twenty twenty one, being here now. This is a different team than that team. The core, as you said, the core is there, right? Bo Bichette was there. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was there. You know, Nate Pearson pitched in that series. Jin Ryu pitched not particularly well. This is a different club. They've added and built so much, even in just those two years. You know, in terms of guys that are that are hitting in the middle of the order, the, the, the position players they have in place. You know, the George the, adding George Springer, adding Kevin Gossman, adding Matt Chapman, like. The Blue Jays are here in the playoffs in 2022 because they earned it. It's not that they didn't earn it in a 60 game series where they finished what one 60 game season where they finished, you know, just a couple games over 500. This Blue Jays team is here because they won 92 games because they have one of the best offenses in all of baseball because their starting pitching, especially at the top, has been so strong because they've worked and built a bullpen that is really effective because they have aggressively move their defenders around to put them in positions to succeed they're a good team they're a good team that's now entering into a playoff series in which they are the favorite if you go by what the bookies say and the bookies they want you to bet right and that's a big part of sports in 2022 everybody wants you to bet every single commercial is someone being like come and place a bet every time you talk to your buddies you're probably talking about the things that you bet on we're not talking about that but i do want to know why you think what is it that makes the Blue Jays the favorites over Seattle? Or do you think the Blue Jays should be the favorites over
1: Seattle and why? I think they should be the favorites for sure. Even though if you look at the splits of the season, at, I believe it was uh, 5-2 that Seattle won. And they absolutely dominated the Jays in one series, I, I believe, in out in Oakland. I mean, we, there's that clip of Paul Sewald. Doing the broom and and did you see and by the way did you see anthony bass retweet retweet that with the comment i mean so it's one of those things that as we call it a locker room motivation that's like the banner that's probably hanging like remember that remember that shit guys like this is is what they did and and this is what we got to come after and and not that you want to get caught up in that but it's a little bit of a motivate extra motivation and i think a lot of it has to do with um obviously home field advantage when you listen to a lot of analysts talk they mention how loud that place can be and how it can have an effect on the series on on the stuff going on on the field obviously the the players have to go out there and perform but to me i believe they should be this the favorites but not by a lot because seattle is still a dangerous good team and obviously they got julio rodriguez back but i think man if if you're a baseball fan drew how are you not salivating at that at at those pitching matchups when you get a Luis castillo versus an alec manoa you get a Kevin Gosman possibly versus a Robbie Ray. I mean, this is like, it, it gives me chills thinking about those type of matchups because this is it. This is what it's about. There's no more like, oh, you're going to face the number four or number five guy. No, you're going to face elite guys from here on out. From here on out, it's gonna be elite guys. There's no gimmies. There's no like, oh yeah, we're we we got you know the number five guy. No, you're gonna get number one, number two, maybe number threes in some situation. But this is it. This is why you put yourself in in this position, and, and you gotta go out there and perform it and beat the best.
0: You have made a great point, uh, One I agree with very much. It, there are no gimmies. There are no soft spots. The 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 uh, Seattle won what ninety one games themselves or ninety two themselves. I'm not. I don't remember exactly. Playing in a little bit of an easier division, but. The matchups are really interesting, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up that series. So that was, of course, the Blue Jays lost two of three to uh, Oakland on that on that West Coast string and then got swept by Seattle in a four-game series when Paul Sewell famously had the broom out on the mound. Talking about pitchers, talking about matchups, here's the name of the, pit, the Blue Jays pitcher who lost the first game in that series. That was Anthony Banda. He got tagged with the loss in that one you know, the Blue Jays in, in game three, the walk-off, they, when they got walked off, Ryan Baraki was the winning pitcher for Seattle, the losing pitcher was Sergio Romo, right? This is not a, necessarily a reflection of who the Jays are now. That was the Jays at their absolute lowest point for, for, for the better better part of the entire season. They were never below 500 at any point this year, but when they finished that se- series, they were three games over 500, And they only went up from there. So if you look at how the Jays Jays did for the rest of the year, obviously, they finished the season many, many 22 games over 500. So they finished the season strong in those last, you know, 50 games or so, 50 games more than that, last 80 games, they finished the season, you know, 20 games over 500. That's a different team than it was in that series. And it's being played in Toronto, which is a, you're not getting walked off on your home field for one and two. You got that atmosphere. I'm sure the atmosphere would be fierce in Seattle with all those people, with not having played a home game, a home playoff game in 22 years. But the Blue Jays, they know we know what kind of noise they can make. We know how excited they can be, and that's the, one of the biggest differences between now and 2020. Number one, the team is better. Number two, the city is ready. I was talking to a couple of people at work. They're having Blue Jays Day at their school on you know, kids' school on Friday. The energy is building, and for good reason. This this is a good team that, that, as we've talked about, uh, I heard on one of the other athletic podcasts with, uh, with Andy McCullough and Grant Brisby uh, and Mark Kerrig, they were talking about how like the Blue Jays are kind of a sleeping giant. And, you know, call me crazy. I th- I'm of the opinion that the Blue Jays have been awakened quite a bit. Their offense has gone crazy. They're able to set their rotation up just as they like. They are healthy. They're playing good baseball. There's nothing you don't, you wouldn't, they're all, all, all arrows are pointing up. Now, of course, that doesn't mean the Blue Jays are good for sure going to win. A, it's a three-game series. We don't even have to think that far back to 2015 when the Blue Jays went out and lost the first two games at home to the Texas Rangers. If that's now, that series is over. But you're sending your best out there. You can't help but feel good. Seattle, their pitching, matchup has, has, the pitching matchups are really interesting. Luis Castillo, of course, taking the ball in game one. Robbie Ray, not been quite so hot of late. You know, maybe you're the Blue Jays, you take your chances against Robbie Ray. Logan Gilbert, same sort of thing, didn't necessarily pitch his best against the Blue Jays. So there's a lot, I think, that there's a lot to chew on, if nothing else, in this series. It's going to be really interesting. And it's also, oh, it's going to be really, really, but uh, it's going to be interesting, but it's so short. Also, as another note, as I mentioned that um, Sergio Romo took the loss in the one game, Anthony Banda took the loss in the other game, Max Castillo started the fourth game of that series as the Blue Jays look to avoid the sweep. So just a very different situation. And, you know, I don't think that the season series, especially when they only play two series, they play seven games. That's to me not as, in, as indicative of what, what we can expect to happen. than like, where are the teams right now? Where are their health? Seattle haven't been being a little bit banged up, right? Julio just come back on monday what's his name sam haggerty is that his name who just uh yeah he got hurt i was watching the game yeah so was i you know that that, they looked rough too because he was screaming and yelling right after he made that dramatic slide into second base a really good player a guy who can do a lot of different things for them and then again you you look at where where is the pitching for seattle again logan gilbert's been pretty good the last little while Um, some of the guys in the bullpen haven't been quite as sharp diego castillo i don't even know what to make of diego castillo he comes in you see him throwing 100 miles an hour every single time he's been in the big leagues for what six seven years you feel like he never has any idea where it's going but (laughs) but but he gets his outs and and it's just I don't know it's really compelling how do you think the Blue Jays can fare against a guy like Luis Castillo who is a really good pitcher obviously a really good pitcher who's pitching well is there something about him that you think the Blue Jays might be able to uh to capitalize on is there something about
1: the Blue Jays offense that might bode well against him when you watch Luis Castillo and when, when you watch what he's trying to do, obviously he works off that sinker and, and throwing it in on righties. And I think that's what he's going to try and do to to the right-handed hitters. And and I think if I think the key is for, for Jays hitters to jump on him early and not let him get comfortable on the mound to where he starts locating that, that sinker really well. And then you find yourself 0-1, 0-2, and now you're in defense mode. I think if you jump out, and I'm not saying getting a sinker is easy, but the way Bo's going, the way Vladdy... Finish off the year, uh, springer and 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 in the top of the lineup again. If they're able to create some damage there and and put some pressure on him early, I think that's going to be big because we know what what Manoa is going to bring to the table and we've seen it all season. It's like you know this guy is going to go out there, he's going to give you quality innings, quality starts, and 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 that's where all you can ask for. But you're just going to get two horses, man. And to me, as a fan, again as a fan, pay attention to the young stars, not only on the Blue Jay side, but. When you're when you're thinking about Julio Rodriguez, a bona fide superstar, you know, and and just the like how fun that is. Like this is what the playoffs is all about. Like seeing both sides, you know, the the talent on both sides, and you know, obviously you got Julio, you got Ty France, you got. JP Crawford and Cal Rowley coming off that big walk-off and, and sending the team to the playoffs. Um, even though his batting average is in high, he still has some pop. So it's pretty even. I mean, the 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 I feel like the Seattle Mariners went down to the wire last season too. So they're in pretty like pretty similar, right? I mean, in, in their stories, because last year they missed the playoffs by a little bit. They had an emotional send-off to Kyle Seeger and they missed the playoffs. So it's almost like both teams have been like emotionally through through a lot, like as far as missing the playoffs last season. And now they're here, and they're and and they're facing each other. And once 21 years uh, ended a drought, the other one is you know they've been through a lot in in, in another sense, obviously with the whole COVID thing. So yeah, the key is going to be jumping on on Luis Castillo early and and just making him pay for mistakes. This is I think where where it, it gets magnified more. Like hey, if he leaves a pitch up or if he hangs a breaking ball, this is where like you got to take advantage of those mistakes because a guy like Castillo doesn't make those very often. And if you can get up, get him up in the zone, that's going to be super big for the Jays. And obviously like, like you mentioned, drew that this offense was one of the best in baseball the last month, one of the best. And if they're able to keep that, that streak going on. And I mean, for me, I like Chappie being a guy that can get hot and, and, and and produce big time. And if he, if he, you know, he's obviously hits in that fifth, sixth slot. Sometimes if he's able to get hot down there and hopefully they're able to get Lourdes Gurriel back soon. And, and if he comes back, you know, he, that's another threat down at the bottom of the lineup. So, um, I think the the Jays are sitting pretty right now, man. I mean, I really like the, the way that they ended the season and, and the confidence that they built, because this this was not a confidence bunch when you talk about that series in Oakland, in Seattle. And it, it looked like they were pretty defeated. We were sitting here wondering what the hell is going to happen. Are they even going to make the playoffs? Are they going to it was scary to just think about it because fans were going crazy at that time. And here we are now they're hosting. And I mean, I feel like you just should enjoy the the beauty of this sport and 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 these young guys going at it. There's a couple of
0: things that I'm really keen to keep my eye on when it comes to um, Luis Castillo in particular, you know, as a guy who's, who's so tough and as a guy who, you know, has such good stuff in particular, you know, that kind of sinker change up that we were talking about. Number one is kind of just looking at how his, his sinker breaks, because I, I was just looking and there was a story on Fangraphs and they were talking about how his sinker was a, maybe a little bit has gotten a little bit more flat as the season has gone along. It's just the kind of thing to 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 keep your eye on. Maybe a little bit, but also I wonder about you know one thing. I'll, I'm going to double check here. What might the Blue Jays' heavy right-handed lineup sort of figure into how many changeups he throws? Because he doesn't throw a ton of changeups against righties, but the Blue Jays' almost entire lineup is is right-handed, so that's one of his best pitches right that Bugs Bunny changeup of his that he throws you know out on the outside quarter to, to to lefties makes him one of the things that makes him so tough and it plays off that sinker so well that if you're the Blue Jays and A you're a team that has shown no fear in going to right field right Bo has you know you can tell when he goes up there and he's got a plan and his 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 plan is you know I'm going to sit back and I'm going to drive the ball to right field. I know I, can, I know I can get to anybody's fastball, no matter where it is, and I can shoot it to right field. If you don't have to worry about that changeup as a weapon, you know, especially early in the count, maybe he might go to with two strikes or something like that. I think that could really bode well for the Blue Jays. If, if they're able to stack that lineup with all those righties, and if that means putting in Danny Jansen and putting in you know, Danny Jansen, a guy who's done so much and done so well against velocity this year, maybe that is a, is a mark in favor of the Blue Jays. Maybe I'm reaching.
1: He did finish the season strong, though, man. He had one I mean, good start at hitting. the end, but
0: he had two bad ones before that.
1: No, no, I'm talking about um Danny
0: oh, Jansen. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about Castillo. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, Danny yeah. Jansen finished the season on fire.
1: On fire. And if he can carry that on, I mean, that's just another plus for the Jays. I mean, it's just, again, it, this is a very talented. It's like they almost got hot at the right time, the hitters. I mean, Danny Jansen obviously finished the season. Last seven games, he was hitting 333, hit two home runs, seven RBIs. I mean, that's not bad. And... I guess one of the things i'm looking forward to with this team and in, in this in this series is how john schneider handles the bullpen does he let his starters does he let him know if he's dealing you know sixth seventh inning does he let him go back out for the eighth inning does he let him you know maybe get him to the eight like we've seen manoa get pulled at times where we were like oh maybe he could have faced to had another inning does 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 john schneider give him that leash for this series you know does does he write him and say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go down with my guy, or 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 how does he manage the bullpen? You know, I, that's what I'm really really curious to see how 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 he does. My
0: guess is that he'll the leash will be very short because it's 2022, and it's the playoffs, and the you know the risk of sending Alec Manoa out to face, you know, the Mariners lineup even a third time. I think you know everybody is 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 vulnerable to the third thing, and unless Alec Manoa is absolutely dealing with all four of his pitches, I think we'll see a traditionally short playoff leash which is interesting because then I wonder about who who would we see coming out of there you know what what order are we going to see those guys come out and what is going to inform the matchups that the Jays play so Jesse Winker is is hurt I believe and and has been on put on the disabled list or injured list excuse me and won't be participating in this series so it's like okay well who are the who are the big obviously who are the big bats right who are you gonna who is gonna be in there whose job is gonna be to get Julio out but then you've got you know you've got Carlos Santana who is a switch hitter is he not I feel strongly that he is you got Eugenio Suarez who bats right I mean there's there's some interesting interesting pieces in there interesting guys that you need to contend with. Carlos Santana is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> he, I, I, you know, cause sometimes he's, he, yeah, he's, he's a switch hitter. I'm not, I'm not crazy, but like he is, his numbers aren't great. They're fine. He's like, he's a league average DH first baseman, but at the same time he feels dangerous. When I, when I see him in there, he's one of those guys that I'm like, get away, get me away from him, get him out, <laughs> out of my face. He feels like a guy who can do real damage, but you know, how, what, 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 are the, what are the things that are going to inform the, how they match up against him? I feel like right now, depending on the situation, if it's late inning, seven, eight, nine. I feel like if it's 7 or 8, or even maybe even, depending on the situation the sixth inning, it's got to be, you're going Jimmy Garcia against Julio Rodriguez almost, you know, almost at, at the first opportunity. I feel like that's, he's got to be that guy. We've seen that trust in Garcia, and I think it's got to continue when it comes to Julio being in there.
1: Yeah, no, And that's why that's that's why I say that that point that I'm interested to hear how John Schneider or to see not here, obviously, to see how he manages that that part of it, because obviously, again, this is not the regular season anymore. This is the playoffs. This is every out matters. Every single pitch matters. And, you know, this is the new age that we live in, where you start seeing your starters struggle a little bit. Boom. You don't hesitate. You make the move quick. I know there's been talk, too, Drew. I mean, t- you tell me what you think. I'm, obviously, Manoa going game one, and I did hear something about maybe stripling game two to kind of save Gosman for me. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. You, you get the two guys, the top two guys that got you there. And, hey, I'm, putting, I'm thinking two games. Now, if I have to go to a third game, at least I have a, a stripling and a burials. Do you change
0: it depending on what happens in game one? If you win game one, you still are Gosman game two?
1: Yes. I, I do I do you you, you give me your opinion and, and your theory behind it I just think you don't you don't mess with the game. I think when you start looking ahead when you start oh wow well, we kind of gotta start setting for maybe the 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 next series or something or no, let's just put it away. we'll play it by ear as we go along as we go along and we've seen it with teams like the the, the first team that comes to mind is the the Washington Nationals. it's like <laughs> when we get to the next round we'll figure it out and that's the way they should play it and I, I feel like if they get it done in two games, they have the depth, obviously, to run out a stripling out there for game one, possibly a Jose Barrios for game two, and then not next you you set up your your rotation. And I feel like sometimes the game can reward you in the sense that, okay, now I played it the right way and I and I did some things. Now we're here, and if we had continue to advance, now I have a my full rotation back to normal. And and I just I think when you start messing with it and try to get cute, I think that the game bites you in the ass, and next thing you know. You don't know what to do. And I I think of, what was that game um, against the Cleveland Guardians? Bautista said something about the pitcher. He's going to be shaking in his boots. Oh, the kid they brought up out of the... And and, And he he was dealing. And he dealt. Dealt. And I felt like it was a way of like, oh, you you don't want to get too confident in the playoffs. You don't want to cockiness, confidence at the plate, 60 feet, six inches from the mound. Yes, I'm all for it. But when you try to fuck with the game, the game will come and bite you in the ass. And that's just that's why I feel like if it's Manoa, Gosman, boom, I'll figure out game three as we go.
0: So I'm, I'm willing to listen on the folks who are suggesting like you go Gosman or Manoa game one. If you win, then you have stripling because then you can use Gosman for game three if you need to. Right. If you so, if you lose game two, you've got Gosman there. So if you if you lose game two, you've got Gosman for game three. But if you lose game, if you win game two, then you've got Gosman for game one. I'm willing to hear that. I wonder about what that does say to the to the to the dressing room, to the clubhouse, right? Like what, maybe, or is that a question of like asking them, like, what do you guys want to do? You know, how do you want to play this? And, and finding that balance between, well, we think that. Look, I, I'm willing to hear also, though, if, if if somebody if somebody from the from the analytics department comes and say, we think that Ross Stripling is a way better matchup for Seattle okay, let's, let's include that. Let's, let's talk through that. But I 100% get where you're coming from. I I think that there, there is an element of strategy given that it's such a short series, right? Because it's not like you can say, well, if we lose game three, we can always come back in game four, or we can bring this guy in short rest. Like there's no tomorrow. This short series thing is so messed up. (laughs) It's sick. It's truly sick. When you think about it, I mean, it's in some ways it's almost worse than the one game play in (laughs) wildcard thing. Because it's just so, it just it feels insidious. And I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, of a concern because you lose game one and it's in, instantly back against the wall. So we'll see. But I could go either way. I just think whatever the team thinks, whatever the players, what they have in their mind, whatever, whatever the data says that says, if they think this guy's a better matchup, this guy's
1: a better matchup, you know, I'm willing to listen. I think back, and this is college, obviously, but we, we were in the middle of some. Something like of winning our conference and stuff. Long Beach State had Jarrett Weaver, Cesar Ramos, Jason Vargas. Remember those names? They had three legit big leaguers. Jason Vargas made a
0: lot of money in the big leagues.
1: Yeah. And we had Jason Windsor, who was one of the best pitchers in the country that year, myself, and then our number three guy. And I remember it was something similar like this. We were going into Long Beach Beach State to face Jarrett Weaver on Friday night, and we needed to win one game to win the conference. Our coaches came up to us before the before the game and we we're like, Hey, we're gonna switch the rotation up because they were pretty much banking that we were was gonna beat us. They're pretty much banking on that. They're like, We're gonna shuffle the rotation. So we'll you know, they'll, they'll probably win game one and then we'll have Windsor game two and then we'll win that and then Ricky can pitch game three or whatever. It's college, yeah. But you mentioned what it would do to the clubhouse. I remember all of us looking at each other like, What what are we doing? What got us here? Our Friday night guy, our Saturday night guy, and our on our Sunday guy. We had the shittiest practice coach stopped it and he asked us like hey you guys have anything to say and we said what we have to say and he's like all right we'll stick to the rotation i ended up watching one of the greatest college games on that friday jason windsor versus jared weaver our pitcher went 10 inning complete game we won two to one it was crazy man so that's what i'm saying like sometimes like guys especially in in a clubhouse can it can be like very like wait 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 what Why are we getting cute? Like, let's just go out there and and beat the shit out of this team. Like, if we have the chance, let's just put them away. Now, you mentioned that that clubhouse aspect, you got to see how they take it too. obviously the analytics department, the the, the people in the higher ups have final say and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's what the 25 guys in that clubhouse think and, and how they go about it.
0: Something else to think about. One last thing on this when it comes to like how would you shuffle the rotation. Now this isn't a good, this isn't a fair comparison but Seattle Mariners this year, two starts in particular, like two of these these games happened in, one in August, one in September versus Shohei Ohtani this year. Shohei Ohtani threw 19 innings against the Mariners this year. He allowed 13 hits. He allowed two runs. He struck out, that is 22 batters and walked four, allowed one home run. Kevin Gossman's stuff Arsenal lines up as close to Shohei Otani as anybody can hope to, realistically. Right, that splitter, that velocity, you know, the slider when he needs it. Maybe that's something to consider when you're thinking about this. Which is like, let's just get Gosman out there, shut him down. They've shown vulnerability against this kind of a pitcher. Now, again, not 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 that Kevin Gosman needs to act like he's not what Shohei Otani is, but like they're not the same guy. But it's just a data point. Maybe let's say it
1: that way. That's a data point. And it wouldn't be a spin rate show without us and Drew mentioning Shohei Otani. Who else?
0: Who else throws a splitter <laughs> and a 97-mile-an-hour four-seamer? Who else? You find me another guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this, at least this time it's relevant.
1: <laughs> Woo-wee. I mean, what a season he had, by the way. Hey, tip your hat off to that. I mean, tremendous season. And obviously, there's all these debates. And we've talked about it him and Aaron Judge. And people are like, players being outspoken about it about how tani should be the mvp should be considered for the mvp and then obviously the season that aaron judge had and i mean pretty awesome to watch that too but it's it's, it's cool man i mean this is cool this is this you want people to tune into baseball these are the players that are going to get eyes on on baseball like not 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 doing you know changing rules and shit like that not having elite players like this having discussion about it being able to go back and forth about it this is what you want if you're if you're at the top and what, like, how can we change the game? These are the guys that are gonna change the game. Let's market the shit out of this.
0: Let me ask you, you made 110 starts in the big leagues, close to that. What did you do the day after you started? Like at the ballpark? Or just in general, like, how did you feel? Like it, it, like
1: sore. Yeah, your whole shit, right? You're sore, sore shit. And yeah, it was like, go on a run, flush it out get my lifting done and all that stuff. Yeah, you you feel sore. You feel beat up. (laughs) Would you have felt good
0: going into all the hitters meetings, taking BP, running the bases? No, No. I think that's an underrated part of this. And I saw it was Mike Petriello said like, or no, it was was Mike Aziza, sorry, who uh, covers the Yankees and covers the sport. He was like, I don't even know how Otani is still upright. I think that's a, a part that is easy to miss that being a starting pitcher is extremely physically taxing. Taking the ball 30 times, throwing, so he throwing, you know, he threw 166 innings this year. You know, he struck out 220 guys or 215 guys. That's a lot, that's a huge workload all on its own.
1: That and you're hitting when you're pitching. Not only it's stressful in the big leagues to be pitching to big league hitters and to be like, all right, I got to be locked in on what I want to do to certain guys in the lineup. And I got to have a game plan. Oh, guess what? I also have to get have a game plan for whoever I got to face. Uh, You know, Justin Verlander. I got to have a game plan against him. I got to have a game plan against Luis Castillo. I got to have a game plan against Alec Manoa. Like that's the crazy part for me, man, like that you're able to. Sprint down the line, and he I, I believe I heard in the telecast the other day, he's one of the fastest to get down the line, if not the fastest guy in baseball. He's—he's—he's
0: he's, he's, His sprint speed is slightly higher than Teoscar Hernandez, who's
1: the fastest guy in the Blue Jays. Not only that, then you have to take them out, and you're at the top of your game. Everything about him is, is special, man. And, it, and, and, and I feel like, I don't know, part of me feels like this year, we took him for granted because we saw it last year and it was like wow it's the greatest thing ever like nobody has done this since babe ruth shit babe ruth didn't do this i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry Mm -hmm. ain't nobody seen what shohei otani is doing he is the greatest player in this game right now the most talented what he's able to do nobody's ever seen and who knows if we'll ever see it but Again, I mean, it, it's special, and I feel like this year we took it for granted. It doesn't help that the Angels stink, too, right? I mean, they sure do. But.
0: Boy, are they bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think that Aaron Judge has had truly one of the greatest seasons of all time, one of the greatest offensive seasons of all time. Guys don't do, they don't, nobody does what he did, right? Nobody to getting a 200 weighted runs created plus or 200 OPS class being twice as good as the league average hitter unbelievable playing center field for a huge chunk of the season playing every day which is something that's been a challenge for Aaron Judge unbelievable season I would happily vote for him for the MVP but I think it's it is important as I often do to like just think about what he's done over the last two years and and I had this debate la- like you know a year ago when people were saying well if if he's going to do both he should just be the MVP every year and my point then as as is my point now is like to do both is so unbelievable. Like I didn't think I was like, well, he's probably not gonna do it again. He's not gonna be able to be healthy and upright, taking six hundred plate appearances and, and, and pitching 165 innings. Like that workload boggles the mind. So to expect him to do it every year is crazy because just to be able to do it once at any kind of level is is, is, is enough. To be able to do it twice in a row to the point now he's made Fifty-one starts in the last in the last two years. He's pitched to like a two thirty ERA. He's got like three hundred and forty strikeouts. You know, he's faced twelve hundred batters. Unbelievable, truly, truly unbelievable. Well, let's bring it back to the Blue Jays. I, I, you, you and I, we could go on all day. We, <laughs> we, could we could go on all day. So let me think. So you, you know, if you're Alec Manoa, what what Al What's going through Alec Manoa's head right now? What's he thinking about? What's his, what's his
1: game planning like? I mean, I think I feel like Manoa. So much of his game planning is like being who he is. Being who he is. I don't think he's changing a thing. I think he's just, if anything, he's embracing the moment. This is what he's worked hard for. This, this is it. This is, he spoke it into existence, man. I mean, uh, I think, I believe we've talked about his tweet not long ago when when the Jays got knocked out of the playoffs. He wasn't even part of the team. He wasn't even in the plans yet. And he tweeted like, hey, don't worry, guys. Help is on the way. And everyone's like, who's this Alec Manoa cat? And here he is, man. He spoke it into existence. And I believe I saw another tweet where he said, you know, part of the reason why they probably traded Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman is because they feel comfortable bringing me. And I was like, whoa, like, that's crazy, man. (laughs) I mean, to be able to think like, I mean, again, those guys are special, man. They don't they don't come very often in that kind of mentality. And that's why it's carried him to this point in his young career. And and I feel like he's going to embrace it. He's going to freaking be amped up. I think that the, the biggest thing is not being overly amped up to where it takes you off your game. But I feel like with him, it's like he's pretty even keel through it all, no matter what. And and he's earned the spot, man. I mean, shoot, he's earned the right to be the ace of this team and to be able to lead the staff. He is the king of vibes. It's like nobody is
0: vibier than him. And he is just seems like he has his head screwed on the right way. He is so his energy is infectious and to think that he would he would change anything to think that he would come in with a mindset that would be different than the one that he would need to succeed is crazy to me like he I don't it does I don't get the sense that he's wired that way it was obviously you mentioned kind of sneaking up on people in a way uh, of course Alec Manoa slipped to 11th in the first round man that that 2019 draft has got some ball players in it Rutchman went first Bobby Witt Jr., Andrew Vaughn, who's been playing every day for two years, JJ Blade, I mean, he plays for the Marlins, what can you do? Riley Green, CJ Adams, Josh Jung, uh, uh, Shane Langoliers, who uh, looks really good. You know, I've been watching a couple of those A's games against, uh, against the Angels. And then Alec Manoa, 11th, which is like, if you did that draft again, he would go a lot higher than 11th overall. But a guy who's come in and just like hit the ground running and, and been so great and, you know, it'll be again. I think the, the advantage of the Blue Jays playing at home, they know the ballpark, they know how they can line up their defense, they can do a lot of those extra things that the team has been built to do when it comes to going in there against the against this Mariners lineup. Which one thing I would say is, you know, we've talked about, a lot about the Blue Jays offense, and because it's it's the biggest thing, it's what they're what they're they're calling card. You know, we look at the full season, second best offense in the American League. You go from the start of September to today, they're the absolute best offense in base in baseball. The line I used was like, it was, they basically hit like nine guys who were all Francisco Lindor. But the Mariners offense is like been top 10 in that same span too. Like no joke, no pushover. They, they aren't, they aren't going to score as many runs as the Blue Jays, you know, you would assume. But like, there, there's, a, there's a lot of guys in that lineup that can hurt you. Cal, uh, Cal Raleigh's got a lot of power. You know, Suarez, like we said, Winker's out. Uh, Jared Kalanya come back. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be really excited and really exciting to watch Manoa, to watch, you know, I've now convinced myself that Gosman has to pitch game two. Congratulations. I have convinced myself. <laughs> you convinced me. Gosman game two. So what I'm here the, for, man. The power of Otani has compelled me to, uh, <laughs> to put Gosman in game two. But so let me, I guess, the last question, or, or again, how, this is maybe your perspective. How would you manage this game? If Manoa, so we've talked about if Manoa's cruising, if Manoa's out there and it's the seventh inning and his pitch count is, is is low and he looks good and maybe he's got you know the six, seven, eight or five, six, seven in the lineup coming up, maybe you send him back out there. What about the opposite? When do you pull the plug? When do you say he doesn't have it today? We appreciate the grind, you know, which is something that he's done so well, I think, and something I don't think he gets enough credit for, was for all those times that he started, especially it was kind of like in August when he was seemed like he was struggling when he just, but he, but he still was out there gutting through five, six innings. That's so important in the regular season, you know, three game playoff. I don't have time. You know, we don't, you don't have time to, to kind of let him battle through. What are the signs you're looking for? When might be the time for
1: you to go and get him? If you know that you need to win this game. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing though. Like, I don't know. Like we mentioned that the grind starts where he didn't have it early, but I feel like if, if, and John Schneider has a good feel for, for a guy like Manoa that he's going to be like, okay, give me like another inning, give me another two innings. Let me see how he looks. And obviously if they're not scoring runs and he doesn't have his best stuff, then you can leave him out there, you know, for five, six innings. But I think if you start seeing solid contact, hard contact, if he, if, if he's, if he's missing by a lot, if he's, you know, wild, stuff like that, I think that's where you start kind of maybe getting the pen ready, but I think he trusts in Alec Manoa so much that I feel like if he gives up a run or two early, I don't think it's necessarily time to panic because you should trust the offense that you have behind you too. And, and that they're going to get more than one or two runs. If you don't score a run or two, I mean, it's going to be hard for you to win a game. And uh, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things I've talked to John Schneider about is the one thing he tells me, he's like, I got to trust my guys. And I think this is the time where he's going to you're going to see that. I mean, we're going to see how much he really trusts these guys in the biggest spot of the season.
0: I'm really interested because for me, I'm going, if he's not on it, which isn't to say that he won't be. And he's been so good there in September in particular, just again, with, with the strikeouts. You know, he had one game where he kind of walked a bunch of people. But other than that, you know, just pitching so well. But if, it's, if he's not quite on, I'm after the third inning, I'm kind of going inning to inning because I, my, my thinking is you, you have to win this ball game. You got to win game one. You only get to lose, you only get to lose one. So I would rather have them lose one before I do. So if I'm, if I'm seeing him and he's struggling and he's, or he's not hitting his spots or the, or that high contact or the hard contact is there, I'm like, okay, here it is. It's the fourth. You got the bottom of the order. You know, give me one. And if he, if he gets through that one, then I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I you know, you know, these conversations better than I, but it's like, go, go, go. go give me one more. And and then and, and just have guys ready, and looking ahead. Okay, well, if it comes up and there, it's Julio and there's two guys on. Okay, who am I going to get? Am I am I going to let him face Julio Rodriguez with two guys on in the fifth inning when he's when if he's been struggling? That's that's a tough that's a tough conversation to have.
1: Drew, you take uh, Julio Rodriguez out of this lineup. Who to you is the biggest threat?
0: I would say Suarez. Right, Suarez is the most likely threat to go deep. Suarez is the guy that I would like worry about. You know, I feel like Cal, Cal Raleigh, however you pronounce his name. Like he's um, he's a good hitter as well, um, and and uh, and uh, Carlos Santana, as I said, but I think that Julio Rodriguez is the standout on the team, and that's that that's where all sort of all roads lead to to Julio. When I'm when I'm trying to manage the game, if I'm trying to get through, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, like Ty France is is, is a good hitter, he's got good numbers, but like he's it's I don't put him in that same. Level right, Suarez has got has had a really good year, so he's the one maybe I'm looking after the next. Mitch Hanniger is is a is a tough pro, but like Julio's the guy, right? Julio's the guy that I need to base everything around, and if it's Julio, you know he he's, he's the one that I'm going to pull out all the stops to to prevent him from beating me. So if that means that I go to get somebody who isn't Jimmy Garcia in in the in the later innings, so I guess then maybe that's the question: who's the secondary guy? If we're in that scenario. Who do you like to? See, who would you want to see go in there? Is it? Is that Adam Simber? Maybe. A, maybe a, a weird dude like Adam Simber would be hard for a young, a young hitter, a guy who probably hasn't seen a lot of guys coming from that angle. Maybe that's a good mix. You know, you know, Simber can get ready quick. You know, he can come in. Maybe. Maybe that's a way to go to uh, to someone who I know can be careful with a guy like Julio
1: Rodriguez too. I'm excited, man. This 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 is it. This is where we, as fans, try uh, and see what the moves are going to be because it becomes a chess game. It becomes like okay, what I got to press the right buttons type of thing. But at the end of the day, it's still letting those guys and go out there and perform and and, and, and play the game. And, and I, th- I feel like the game of baseball dictate what move you should make next. And I think it's, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think when you when you try and press, when you try and like make things happen, things don't go your way. It's like the game, we always, talk, it's a cliche. I mean, you let the game come to you and you take what it gives you. And I feel like if the Jays go out and do that, it should make for a, for a successful series.
0: And if Alec Manoa does what we all know he's capable of doing, and none of this matters, because I, I think that that's that's there's a tendency maybe, and I think I'm exhibiting it right now to kind of like manage a game white knuckle, like just trying to like stick handle your way through the game. When things go their best, when managers look the smartest, is when the players are the guys who are taking control. And 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 Alec Manoa hopefully will be in a position to like answer these questions for you, where like a. He looks. He is. He is. He is on his game. He is. He is effective. And if it's okay, now he's got Julio Rodriguez coming up, and there's nobody on. Well, yeah, of course, go nuts. Get him out. We know. I know you can do it. You've done it before. Go get him out. I'm thinking more of like the when do you make those things, but that's what's going to determine it, right? The players play. The manager can do whatever we, the, me, the armchair manager, can can float all kinds of goofy ideas and make ridiculous comparisons between Kevin Gosman and Shohei Otani. But the players are going to play, and that's what's going to be so much fun for all these fans. Here's hoping, Ricky, that next time we speak, it's previewing the next series. Blue Jays, Seattle, Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. If you're in downtown the beach time zone or in Seattle or in Vancouver, where maybe your, your, your loyalties are a little bit uh, conflicted. Saturday again, 4 p.m. If necessary, Sunday. I believe the start time right now was 2, but it could depend on some of the other series where they might move that game around. If necessary, in my heart of hearts, I'm hopeful that that game is not necessary. I hope in the Blue Jays, done and dusted, looking ahead to face the Astros. But you can't look ahead. There's a tough team on the other side of the field, a team that is dying to do the exact same thing, I'm sure they feel, and their fans, and if there is a Mariners podcast like this one, all the Mariners bloggers and people like me, they all work in the teams, the two best Mariners bloggers one, one guy worked for, for the Padres forever and now he is a consultant for the Mariners and of course Jeff Sullivan works for the Rays started his career as a Mariners guy smart people talking about a good team they think they can win too they're feeling really confident most of all I hope everybody has a good time enjoy it get out there get where you're going to be you know hopefully we can get some more of those crazy one of you know those crazy moments that will live on for much longer than the than the time the game will take Ricky, I hope you enjoy yourself. I hope you have some peace and quiet, unless you don't want it, unless you want yelling and screaming and carrying on. But we'll talk again very soon, me and Caitlin, who will be there at the Rogers Center in her seat, which is nothing nothing a beat writer likes better than covering baseball from their own chair. Not going to not going to writing about the the Yankees playoff and what the Blue Jays can learn from the Yankees. Not being like and here's another goddamn parade in Boston, covering <laughs> the team that you cover, sitting in your seat in the press box. Hope everybody in the press box have, has a good time. But as I said, hope everybody listening is excited, ready to go, having a great year, having a great weekend spoiling seattle's return to the show i hate to see it mariners fans seem cool mariners are an easy team to cheer for if you ask me but i really hope for the worst for them (laughs) for this weekend alone (laughs) yeah
1: no and if you're a fan enjoy it scream meow cheer do everything possible because i mean this team's gonna feed off of you guys and it's it's gonna be a fun series again i i I keep i'll keep saying it those those pitching matchups are what it's all about um, this is what the playoffs is all about. You want to see these good pitching matchups. And I feel like all across the wildcard series, there's going to be good, good pitching matchups. And uh, enjoy it. Have a great time. And hopefully uh, next week we're talking about the Blue Jays uh, playing the Houston Astros, I believe, right?
0: That is how it would shake out. And again, I hope that we are here talking about that. No matter what happens, we'll be back next week to talk about your Toronto Blue Jays and what lies ahead of them, either immediately or a little bit down, longer term. His name is Ricky Romero. You can make sure you listen to him on MLB radio. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. My name is Drew. Follow me on Twitter for whatever reason. If you like tweets about Shohei Otani, apparently.
1: <laughs>
0: but we'll be back next week on the next edition of SpinRate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot.